Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to serve, serve our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible, one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this roundup of the past few weeks of fake news. And you can bet that it will be extremely dangerous to our democracy. <laughs> um, there's those short stories that I think everybody read when they were in English class in high school. Stories like The Lady and the Tiger, or perhaps 1984. I don't know if they do that one so much these days. 1984, Animal Farm. Uh, oh, the short story, The Sound of Thunder. That's one of my favorites. Uh, the one I want to talk about today is called Harrison Bergeron. And this is one of those stories everybody's read, or I thought everybody had read it. Um, here's why I thought that, because I was kind of a nerd whenever I was a kid. That might surprise some of you to find that out. But yes, I, I was actually a little bit of a dork. <laughs> I used to read my mom's old textbooks for fun, like the textbooks she had when she was a kid and a teenager. I would dig those out and just read those just for the sheer joy of reading and learning. That, that was me. You heard me. And when I was a teenager, even though um, I was I was homeschooled, so I didn't go to public school. I did go to a summer school program one time when I was homeschooled as a teenager. I went to a summer school program at a public school. And one of the stories we read at this school was Harrison Bergeron. And this was a story I'd read in my mom's old textbooks. And so I just assumed this was something everybody knew. I just assumed that everybody had read Harrison Bergeron. And then I would turn on the news sometimes and I'd, I'd see the next thing that the Democrats were doing. And I'd say, well, wait a minute. That's dumb. Didn't they read Harrison Bergeron when they were in high school? <laughs> I'd hear people talk about their plans of how they want to force equity in the population. I would think, hey, we already saw how that turned out in Harrison Bergeron. OK, we saw what happened in Harrison Bergeron's world. Harrison Bergeron already showed, showed us how this would all turn out. Well, come to find out, most people had not read Harrison Bergeron. And so I'm here to educate everybody today on Harrison Bergeron. Harrison Bergeron is a book by Kurt Vonnegut. It's a, it's a short story from 1961. 
He is the acclaimed writer of numerous, numerous other famous books. One of them is Slaughterhouse-Five. That's another one of those books that it seems like everybody has read. People have asked me before if I've read Slaughterhouse-Five. I haven't even read the first four. So no, I haven't gotten around to number five yet. But I have read Harrison Bergeron. And as I said, this shows up in, I just assumed, but maybe not, but it just shows up in all the different school textbooks. People read it in English, they dissect it, they talk about it, and you pull some valuable life lessons from it. And so here's the opening line of Harrison Bergeron. If you want to read it yourself, I'd encourage you, take five or 10 minutes. That's all it takes. Go Google it. You can find the whole short story. Take you five or 10 minutes to read the whole thing. I encourage you to do that. But here's the opening line of Harrison Bergeron. It says, the year was 2081 and everybody was finally equal. They weren't only equal before God and the law. They were equal every which way. Nobody was smarter than anybody else. Nobody was better looking than anybody else. Nobody was stronger or quicker than anybody else. All this equality was due to the 211th, 212th, and 213th Amendments to the Constitution and to the unceasing vigilance of agents of the United States Handicapper General. So this is a story about a dystopian future, kind of like, you know, Blade Runner or, or 1984 or something like that. It's based around the idea that everybody must be equal. You know, that's what it'll be like in the future. It's not fair anymore if some people are better at something than someone else. It's not fair if some people are more talented. It's not fair if some people are more successful. No, we have to force everyone to be the same. That way, nobody has to feel bad about their shortcomings. And so this world, the, the world of this story in Harrison Bergeron, his world is, it's literally untenable if you think about it for too long. There's just no way society can function if we try to force equity wide, widespread across the population in every area. Everything would just fall apart. So why even try it? <laughs> why even try it? It's, it's literally impossible to enforce. And Harrison Bergeron, the story tells about what drastic lengths the society would have to go to in order to force this. There's two characters in the story named Hazel and George, and they're watching TV, and, and this is how it describes them. Hazel had a perfectly average intelligence, which meant she couldn't think about anything except in short bursts. And George, while his intelligence was way above normal, had a little minty handicap radio in his ear. He was required by law to wear it at all times. It was tuned to a government transmitter. Every 20 seconds or so, the transmitter would send out some sharp noise to keep people like George from taking unfair advantage of their brains. So in this story, you know, it just acknowledges the reality. Some people are not as smart as others. And so we don't want them to feel bad. We don't want them to be left behind. And so if you take the smarter people and you put a little radio thing in their ear and it kind of scrambles their thoughts every once in a while so that they can't get too far ahead of where the average person is. Okay, hey, some people have ADHD. They get distracted frequently. That means it's harder for them to concentrate. And so in a sense, those people have a handicap that not everybody else has to deal with. It would be more fair if you just made it so that everybody had to deal with that handicap. Okay, that way the ADHD people are not being left behind or the people who are just less, less intelligent. It's not fair that the people with IQs of 70 don't think as fast as people with 120 IQs. And so how do you balance that out? Well, in reality, if we're not talking about Harrison Bergeron's world, the sad reality is that you can't, okay? You can't balance it out. You can't bring the 70s up 
and the 120s down to meet somewhere in the middle. What you have to do is bring everybody down to the 70s. That's how you make everyone equal. You just got to bring everyone down to the same level because it's going to be literally impossible to bring those people at the bottom up to meet everyone else. You got to bring the top people down. Next in the story, Hazel and George, they're watching some ballerinas on their TV set. It says he tried to think a little about the ballerinas. They weren't really very good looking. No better than anyone else would have been anyway. They were burdened with sash weights and bags of birdshot, and their faces were masked so that no one seeing a free and graceful gesture or a pretty face would feel like something the cat had drug in. George was toying with the vague notion that maybe a dancer shouldn't be handicapped, but he didn't get very far with it before another noise in his ear scattered his thoughts. So it says they're watching the ballerinas on TV and the pretty girls have to wear masks so that the, ug- so that the ugly girls don't feel bad. And everybody has a mask on so that it makes all things equal. And then it points out, you know, some girls are more graceful and they can jump higher. So they have to wear weights when they jump. And that's in order to keep them from jumping higher than the other girls. And this is the sad reality of Harrison Bergeron's world. You can't change the laws of physics. There's certain realities about the world that are unchangeable. And one of those is gravity. And so instead of, hel- and so instead of helping the girls jump higher... What they have to do is force those graceful, more graceful, the lighter girls, they have to force them to jump lower. They weigh them down. And now they finally have equality. But it's only by making everybody worse, by bringing everyone down to the same level. It's easier to bring everybody down to the same level than to lift everybody up to the same level. In fact, it's impossible to lift everybody up to the same level. You can't have actual equality in all things. Gravity is still going to be there. It's one of the unchangeable laws of physics. And it's true in all of our worlds. Some people are just going to be better at some things than others. And so an equity system where everybody can thrive, that's a myth. You can't do it that way. You can only bring everyone down to make them all match. And so that's the Harrison Bergeron lesson. And I guess they didn't read this one wherever it was that liberals went to school. And speaking of where liberals go to school, (laughs) that brings me to a story about an equity-based school that was started about five years ago by famous basketball player LeBron James. Okay, NBC had the report about this school. I think it's called the I Promise School, the I Promise Academy, something like that. And NBC gave us a report on this school five years ago. Good morning. Kids arrive for the first day of school today in Ohio as a new approach to fix an old problem takes center court, led by someone who knows their stories more than they could imagine. I know exactly what these 240 kids are going through. Um, I know the streets that they walk. I know the trials and tribulations that they go through because I've been there. Which is why NBA superstar LeBron James and his foundation are opening this school in Akron for at-risk third and fourth graders who struggle both in school and at home. The most important thing that we can give them is structure and a sense of they just want someone to feel like they like we care. I Promise is a public, non-charter school. It offers an innovative approach, a longer class day, and a longer school year, and provides support to help kids with trauma. The school will also help parents find a job and have an on-site food pantry for families. 
these kids should still have the same opportunity um, as everyone else. These kids are our future. And no, no matter uh, if I'm playing in Los Angeles or not, Akron, Ohio is always home for me. A kid from Akron leaving a legacy of hope for children. It all sounds so inspirational and hopeful. And this was, again, five years ago. How's the school doing now? Well, sad to say, not great, Bob. Akron, Ohio's school board recently had this report. This fall's class of eighth graders at the I Promise School hasn't had a single student pass the state's math test since the group was in the third grade. It is discouraging, responded Keith Clifford, the district's director of school development. Five years into the I Promise School, a public school that operates in partnership with the LeBron James Family Foundation, Akron school board members are starting to ask questions about whether I Promise is living up to its academic promise. Okay, so what it said there, not a single eighth grader, eighth grader at the school has demonstrated proficiency in eighth grade math. That was the issue that they were talking about at this meeting. Not a single eighth grader is capable of doing eighth grade math at this school. They haven't passed the state's math test, and no one has since the group was in third grade. This is what happens when you take a school and you completely divorce it from reality and decide we're going to go the Harrison Bergeron route. We're going to try to force equity into this and make everybody equal. Guess what? Everybody equally fails. I mean, if I think back to when I was in school, and this was, you know, I was in elementary school 20 years ago. Before I was homeschooled, I did go to a public school elementary school. And guess what? When I was in third or fourth grade, I was reading at an eighth grade level. Um, Because as I said, I was a little bit of a nerd. (laughs) I was a little bit of a dork. Now, I know that was reading and this is math, but still, uh, by the time I was in eighth grade, I can assure you, I could do eighth grade math. But at LeBron James's school, not a single eighth grader can do eighth grade math. It says in the report, last year, sixth graders lost ground. When they were in fifth grade, 7% were proficient on the reading test. In sixth grade, just 2% were. Okay, so that's not just stagnating. The kids are losing ground. They're actually becoming less intelligent as they go to this equity-based school that LeBron James started. Okay, remember what I said at the beginning. Equity only brings people down to the same level. You can't raise the lower people up. And their goal, as they said, was to raise them up. Their propaganda says they're going to raise people up. But in reality, in practice, the result is that they bring everyone down to the same level. That's what equity does. When you make an equity-based initiative, this is what it does. This is what socialism does. You say, well, I don't, I don't, you know, communism, socialism, all this stuff. I don't want rich people. There shouldn't be billionaires, as Bernie Sanders, he used to say there shouldn't be millionaires until he became a millionaire. Now he says, well, there shouldn't be billionaires. We should tax them all. Okay, well, guess what? Taxing the billionaires so much that there's no more billionaires, that's not going to raise all the poor people up. That's just going to make the rich people less rich. All you're doing is bringing everyone down to the same level. It's not really going to lift anybody up. It's all a lie. They, they say they're going to lift everybody up. But in reality, that's not what happens. Just go ask Venezuela where they're eating dogs and standing in bread lines. So everybody at LeBron James's school, at least everybody in eighth grade, everybody's failing. But at least they're all equally failing, right? They're living up to their promise as far as I'm concerned. They promised liberal equity. That is what they are getting. They are getting liberal equity. Okay, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. 
Well, hey, play liberal games, win liberal prizes. You're getting what you asked for. It's equity. It's just everybody's equally failing. This is the difference in liberals versus conservatives whenever it comes to equality. I mean, hey, everybody says equality is a value. Everyone says that we want equality, but we want equality in different ways. Some people will say conservatives are not interested in equality. And that is not true. That they do, you know, conservatives are okay with, they're good with equality, but we want equality of opportunity. Liberals want equality of outcome. And those are two different things. You can make it so everyone has an equal opportunity, or you can make it so that everybody has an equal outcome. And those are two different ways of looking at equality. And so I would say both liberals and conservatives are interested in equality for sure, but they want different types of equality. Conservatives want to make it so that everybody has equality of opportunity. That means everybody gets the same chance. Everybody has an opportunity to get a good education, to go to a good school, to get a good job, to make a living by working hard. That's equality of opportunity. Whenever conservatives see an issue where people are not getting equality of opportunity, that's when they step in to try to fix those problems. Otherwise, you know, we say, hey, we want liberty. Keep government out of things. But put it, you know, but use government to make sure everyone has an equal opportunity. That is not what liberals are looking for. They don't care about equality of opportunity. They want equality of outcome. They see that some people have less money than others. They say that we shouldn't take money from the rich people and give it to the poor people. This is their socialistic ideology. This is state-sponsored theft, as far as I'm concerned. They call it socialism. It's theft. It's failed everywhere it was tried. It just makes everybody poorer. The math's been done before. You can tax all the billionaires at 100%. You can take all their money. And all it would do is pay for America's budget for about six to nine months. It wouldn't even pay for it for a full year. And then you're out of money. And everybody is poor. But at least we'd be equally poor. (laughs) If they see that a higher proportion of black people are going to jail... They're going to say the system is racist. we got to have equality of outcome. It's got to be equally distributed proportionally amongst the races of who ends up in jail. And if you can't do that, then the police are racist. The prisons are racist. We don't even we shouldn't even have prisons. That's why they were calling for the abolishment of prisons a few years ago. They won't look at the problems in black communities or blame the black culture or black behaviors. They won't look at things like the fatherlessness rate in the black community. What they say we should do is just defund the police and empty the prisons. And if you do that, okay, sure, we're all equally free, but also we're all getting equally robbed and killed, and then I guess we'll be equally dead. Hey, that's liberal equity. Well, hey, it's good to be back on here and, and chatting with you. I haven't had an episode for a few weeks. Um, you know, just kind of what this podcast has turned into is it's more like every few weeks I try to do an episode, um, usually shorter than they used to be. For the second half of the program today, what I want to talk about is uh, I've been wanting to do an episode about this for a while. And it goes back to, you know, what I what I told you at the what I that video I played for you at the beginning of the program with all the different news stations. And they're all saying the exact same things. And so we see that there's an agenda that's really coordinating a lot of these news stories and what what they're told to focus on, what they're told to make people think about, and how they're supposed to 
try to how they're trying to control the population's mindset about things based on what they report, which is why I just kind of ignore them all entirely as much as I can. I really only pay attention to them so I can do this podcast. Other than that, I just ignore what a lot of the mainstream media sources are telling me because I know even what they're trying to get me to think about are probably not the things I actually should be thinking about. Uh, and when it comes to climate change, which I just see as a, the whole thing's a big hoax, um, this well, at least this idea that there's a man-made climate change and that by giving money to the government or by giving certain politicians power, they're going to have the answers to fix the, the so-called climate crisis, um, that they can somehow spin their way out of a climate problem. I think all of that is just a fraud. I think it's just a way for them to power grab. And I mean, I'm a Christian, so I believe the, that God's in control of the weather at the end of the day. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be these politicians who can't even string two sentences together, as we're going to hear pretty soon in a message from our president. But first, I just want to talk to you about um, uh, what I want to re- I want to make sure everybody is aware of this video that Project Veritas was able to get a couple years ago. Um, actually, this was from 2022. And this was a secret conversation. Well, I say secret. It was a private conversation that Project Veritas recorded of a CNN producer. So you're going to hear this CNN producer. His name is Charlie Chester. He is a CNN. He's a technical director for CNN. And he was out at a, at a restaurant, it looks like. And he's having a conversation with a undercover Project Veritas reporter. And so I know since then, Project Veritas has like fallen apart. They had their whole scandal and they're gone now. But I don't want us to forget about this major story that they brought to our attention back in 2022 of what CNN's plans were as they shift focus away from the COVID-19 pandemic and they and they turn to, to new things. And so this is what Project Veritas, this is what they were able to get out of this CNN technical director, Charlie Chester. We're going to start focusing mainly on climate um, uh, climate like global warming and like that's going to be our next like um i don't know like what's the word um it's our it's gonna be our focus like uh, like our, our focus was to get trump out of office right without saying it that's what it was right so our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness so that's like the next pandemic like story like that will yeah that will will beat to death but that one's got longevity you know what i mean it's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or you know like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know not a problem anymore probably think it's going to take years so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit so you can see there that he's he's admitting they're going to milk the climate thing for years, and that's going to be their new scare thing that they use to to, to for CNN to to get clicks, to get revenue, to get people ginned up, okay? And then politically, this is a thing that the Democrats are using to try to get people to vote blue because they say, you know, it cracks me up. They have two years ago they had the presidency, the House, and the Senate. So they say, hey, if we can get control, we can solve the climate crisis, right? This is what they say, that they can solve all of our climate change issues if they just get power. Well, why didn't, if all they needed to do was pass some laws to fix the so-called climate crisis, why didn't they do that when they had power just a couple years ago, right? Just up until last year, they up until this past January, when they put in a new house where Republicans have a, are winning by one vote in the house, okay? It's... But basically, if they wanted to, probably even still, they could pass 
whatever climate legislation that they wanted to, if there actually was some law that they could pass, something that politicians could do to change the climate, all right? They could have done that the past two years. Why didn't they do it? Because it's all a fraud. It's all a power grab. And CNN is here to help them out. And so, again, this is just to, to gin up fear. It's to, it's to scare people. And, they're at, and here he was admitting, yeah, once we can shift away from the COVID stuff, you know, we got Trump out of office. That was our goal. We scared everybody with COVID and we got that done. And when the, the COVID thing dies down, now we're going to switch our attention over to the climate crisis. And that's going to be the next fear-based scare tactic that they're going to use and what the media is going to push. And so this is all planned. This is all coordinated. They already know what they're going to do. We've showed you here. We've known since 2022. This was the next step. And lately, you might, if you pay attention to the news, you know, sorry, I, I'll pray for you if you do. But if you've been paying attention, they have switched their mindset over to where it's all about climate. It's all about climate. In fact, they are now blaming the the spike in blood clots that you hear about. Every, you know, everybody knows somebody who's got blood clot issues that's developed mysteriously in the past few years. Well, they're now blaming it on the climate. Right here, Sky News of Australia says, cold snap could, could cause strokes and heart attacks, doctors warn. Ice is likely to be a hazard for much of the week, the Met Office says, while people with a pre-existing condition and the elderly are encouraged to be extra careful. So this is what Australia is reporting. The Telegraph, which is up in the UK, it reports, your blood thickens and then clots. What extreme heat can do to your body? So we're being told now that extreme heat and extreme cold both of these things can cause heart attacks. <laughs> Aren't you glad you found out about that? And hey, I'll just, while we're on this kick, you know, I, I have done regularly a segment called What's Racist for this week. And I've been thinking I need to change it to talk about what's causing blood clots this week. Because the media, you know, ever since the past couple of years, for some mysterious reason, a bunch of people are getting blood clots, Right. And we just don't know what it, well, the media knows what it is. In fact, they have like 20 different things it is. So here's one reported in Express. Heart attack, the shower habit that could precipitate a heart attack in the healthy. So, well, this is not related to blood clots, but heart issues, you know, myocarditis, all these heart attacks people are having and the blood clots. What's going on with people's, with people's um, cardiovascular systems? Well, Express is reporting that it could be something due to something you do in the shower. Okay, here's from The Guardian. Artificial sweeteners are linked to increased risk of heart disease, study finds, from CNN. Climate change could hurt babies' hearts, study says. Here in The Sun, it says, Urgent warning to gardeners as soil increases the risk of killer heart disease. From The Daily Mail, Too much exercise can kill you, especially if you're a white man. A study finds 7.5 hours a week of fitness doubles your risk of heart disease. From The Mirror, being too happy could cause you to have a heart attack, scientists warn. <laughs> From Ex Express again, blood clots, the popular breakfast food that could enhance the risk of blood clotting. From CBS, soaring heart attacks are due to lack of masking. That's reported just this year. In February 2023, CBS is reporting heart attacks could be due to a lack of masking. New York Post. Falling asleep with the TV on could bring early death, according to a study from ITV. Shaking the divet too vigorously while making your bed could increase your chances of a heart attack, scientists warn. <laughs> from New York Post, 
moms who give birth in early 20s are at a higher risk of heart attack or stroke, according to a study. From CNN Health, a mental illness in your 20s and 30s could mean a greater chance of heart attack and stroke. Again, from the Express, heart attack. How often you go to the toilet daily could signal future risk of heart attacks. From the Mirror, weekend lions could actually be bad for your health. If you so sleeping in too late, according to the mirror, that could cause you to get heart attacks. From the Daily Mail, how being sarcastic could kill you. Scientists reveal heart attack survivors with hostile traits are more likely to die from a repeat event. Again, from the Express, where do you live? Risk of heart attack, risk of heart failure is much higher in certain areas, according to a new study. From CNN Health. Keto-like diet may be associated with a higher risk of heart disease, according to research. From the Telegraph, video games could trigger heart attacks in children. Man, look at all these different things that are causing heart issues, heart attacks, blood clots, all kinds of heart failure. What could it be? Could it be that COVID-19 vaccine that they just introduced, that experimental vaccine that was in development for less than a year, and then boom, they put it on the market? Could that? No, 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 no. The fact checkers have already told us. Fullfact.org. No evidence that COVID-19 vaccines are causing heart attacks in children. They say this is not true. The COVID-19 vaccines have not been linked to heart attacks in children, and only rarely with other serious side effects. Okay, okay. Well, thankfully, the fact checkers are here to set us straight. You know, listen to all that, though. Listen to all these things from climate change to all kinds of ridiculous things like video games, sleeping in, being sarcastic. Okay, hey, a lot of us would be dead if that could cause heart attacks. Um, the, the truth is they are just, they're going to tell you everything but the truth. Yeah. That, that, that's about how you should look at it. They will tell you everything but the truth when it comes to what's causing these blood clots. And so back to the climate change thing. Listen, guys, anytime you see news about the climate, you got to remember this is all coordinated. This is all to drum up fear. They've already had their game plan expo- exposed. If you fall for it, you know, that's, that's your own fault. Matt Walsh had a really interesting podcast. It was just this week. You know, there's lots of news stories here lately because it's summertime. Everyone's dealing with, you know, more heat because it's the summertime. That's that's what summer means. Is that it's going to be hotter. End of July, beginning of August. That is the hottest few weeks of the year. And so we've seen a lot of news stories lately about what they're claiming is that this is the hottest global temperature worldwide. And personally, I don't think that it's been one of the hottest summers. You know, I look out at my yard. My yard is often in the summertime this time of year. It's often turning yellow in the month of July. It looks kind of gross. The grass is not pretty and green. This year, we've had beautiful green grass. Um, It's been pouring rain today. So I'm not, and I'm not saying it's been pouring rain all July, but I'm just saying this is a milder end of July, beginning of August season than, than what I am generally used to. And so, hey, I'm not complaining this year. But what they're telling us, and that's just anecdotal, I'll admit, but what they're telling us is that this is the highest global average temperature this year. They say it's due to man-made climate change and man-made global warming, all that stuff. But back to what Matt Matt Walsh was saying, he was actually breaking the story a year ago, okay, a whole year ago. He was breaking the story about how there... um, well, he said it this week, but he was pointing out that last year a volcano formed and NASA had a, you know, there's lots of, of footage on this. I guess I kind of wasn't paying much attention. I didn't even really realize volcanoes were forming. <laughs> I don't know how regular of an occurrence this is. I thought, oh, all the volcanoes, they've been around for, you know, forever. 
they're like as old as the earth. I didn't realize they were still popping up. So that was news to me. But Matt Walsh broke the news story here recently uh, as they're talking about how this is the hottest year on record. This is what they say. NASA was warning us last year, okay, that the new volcano that just formed last year, they said it blasted an enormous plume of water vapor into Earth's stratosphere enough to fill more than 58,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools, okay? They were reporting this last August from NASA in their own words. They say the sheer amount of water vapor could be enough to temporarily affect Earth's average temperature. So they were saying last year all the water vapor that was sent up into the stratosphere that this could affect Earth's average temperature for a while. This could increase the temperature because water vapor traps heat. And so they were NASA was telling the, us this a year ago about the water vapor that was up in the in the stratosphere because of this volcano that it could mess with the Earth's gl- global temperature. And yet, if you go to look at any news stories today about, oh my goodness, it's the hottest global year temperature on record. It, you know, it's talking about it's like this emergency thing. They're not mentioning the volcano from last year. They're not mentioning what the scientists at NASA warned us about. They're not telling you that NASA told us all this ahead of time. (laughs) So, in fact, if you go to CNN's website right now and look up, I looked at the latest story about the global average temperature. It says the last few years have made it abundantly clear that the world is already feeling alarming effects of the climate crisis and that many are not prepared for it. If the planet continues to heat up, the world will face even more extreme weather than what much of the planet has already experienced. And the article I saw ended with this quote, we need to be doing all that we can to reduce emissions and limit future warming. And what does that mean when they say do all we can? It means elect Democrats, elect globalists, do whatever the World Economic Forum says. That's what, you know, what that, that's what they mean when they say do all that we can to limit future warming warming. (laughs) We're going to get right back to this idea. Let's pause here for a message from our president. Is it the responsibility of the U.S. to protect migrants who might be fleeing extreme weather in their countries? Look, I think the, the United States should do everything it can to help people who are in desperate need have no other means of help. And we've always done that. It is not our, it is just who we are. We're the United States of America. And the idea to begrudge the ability to do, for example, one of the things we're doing is we're providing for changing the environment, the the physical structures in the countries which they come from. So they don't have, so they have better lighting. They have more secure, uh, for example, you have all, so many lead pipes all across America and throughout the country. You have 440,000 schools you turn on the water fountain and you may have lead in the water and and so and thousands of people we're replacing every single lead pipe in america we're replacing every single lead pipe in america that's what that that's what he got to as he was answering that question that he was talking to the weather channel so president biden was rambling on about this in a recent interview that he did with the weather channel that was this week Why is the Weather Channel talking to the president? Well, they're talking to him because he is the president, the savior of the climate. He's greasing the gears for this. What I would say is probably to make this a major push next year, that he wants to make the the climate a major push. And so he does this interview with the Weather Channel to go out here 
and talk about the the weather and the lead pipes and all that stuff. So CNN actually fact-checked, if you can believe it, they actually fact-checked the president for a mistruth that he said during his interview with the Weather Channel, okay? They had to fact-check him. You might be wondering, why would CNN, of all times to ever fact-check the president, why are they doing that? Why would they fact-check President St. Joseph R. Biden, blessed be his name? Why would they ever declare that something he said could possibly be untrue? Well, they had to fact-check him because he claimed during his interview with the Weather Channel that he had already declared a climate emergency. He was asked, why haven't you declared a climate emergency? And he said that he had, and he actually has not. So I imagine that's what they're going to push for next, is that they want him to declare, just like they had the COVID-19 emergency, anytime the government declares something to be an emergency, all of a sudden they can leapfrog a lot of the regulations and legislative restrictions that would normally keep a president from just assuming dictatorial power They can leapfrog a lot of that if they have declared something to be a national emergency. And so they're probably going to push for him to declare the climate crisis. This is their terminology for it. They're saying it's a crisis. They're probably going to push for him to declare a national emergency about that so that he can get emergency powers and do a bunch of things that he can't do already and assume a bunch more control than what he already has. And so that's probably what they're going to push for him to do next. He was asked why he hasn't done it in the in the article in the interview with the Weather Channel. He lied and said that he already had. It's interesting, you know. He, this guy can barely, as you heard, he can barely even communicate information. Maybe he thinks he already has. Maybe that's actually a plan that he has waiting in the wings to do that sometime next year. I would imagine that's the case that he's ready to declare a climate crisis, and will try to do this to he'll do this to assume a bunch more control perhaps to influence the elections or who, or who knows. But this is probably something they're going to push for. And so his response, oh, I've already declared a climate crisis. Well, he hasn't, but maybe that means that this is something that's coming. So, you know, we'll wait and see. Hey, remember, we don't know what the 2024 election is going to be about next year because we don't know what the media and the globalists are going to throw out there to make it be all about. You know, that's why it's hard to predict who's going to win the primary. Who's I'm not, I, hey, I think... If you look at the polls, it looks like Trump would get it. I'm hoping people kind of switch over to DeSantis by the time um, we come around to the actual voting time. I would not be surprised if it's, you know, Tim Scott, Ramaswamy. It's going to be whoever goes out there and speaks to what is on people's minds at voting time. And what's going to be on people's minds at voting time? I think we just don't know yet. It's going to be whatever the <laughs> it's whatever the people pulling the strings at the media decide to make the big news of the day. And then whichever Republican jumps into that spotlight and grabs the attention, I think that's the, that's who it's going to go to. That would be my prediction. You know, I I mean, yeah, it looks like it'd be Trump right now, or if not him, DeSantis, it's going to be whoever latches on to what that big story is going to be. And so we just don't know what 2024 is going to be about. If it's going to be about the climate, then the Republican is going to be the one who's speaking to, to Republicans hearts on this climate issue. It might be about climate. It might be about another pandemic. They might make it about race again. We just have no idea. But hey, if it, they, I would just say that we're probably going to see them declare some kind of climate emergency next year, whatever it takes to scare Americans into voting for Democrats. They'll make some kind of narrative, though, and that'll be what drives the election next year. You know, I, I hey, it looks like our economy's on the brink of collapse. <laughs> and then I say that because the media has been reporting lately 
about how great the economy is doing, that the economy is doing just fine. A few days ago, I see this uh, headline in Bloomberg. It says, the U.S. economy is great. Stop worrying about it. Then I also see the same day this headline in the Washington Post. The U.S. economy is great. Stop worrying about it. (laughs) So the exact same headline were both published on August 7th in two different news sources, both saying the same thing. The U.S. economy is great. Stop worrying about it. So that causes me to think, uh oh, is there some kind of recession right around the corner? <laughs> you know, because the way that I think about it, if Washington Post and Bloomberg are trying to tell me that the economy is doing just fine, that gives me reason to think the economy is about to fall apart. And uh, at CNN this year, they really can't make up their mind. In, in February, they were reporting, it's time to chill with all the recession talk. That's a headline from CNN in February. A few months later, they put, why a U.S. recession is probably coming. <laughs> so the, CNN can't decide. Um, I mean, we already actually are in a recession, or we were in one just last year. Then the White House tried to change the definition of a recession so that it wasn't considered a recession, but it, I mean, it was a recession. So hey, we've already had one under Biden, and who knows if we're about to have another. I'm a little concerned about that now, only because Washington Post and Bloomberg are telling me everything is fine. CNN doesn't know. They haven't got their marching orders for that yet, I guess. <laughs> but hey, so maybe a good rule of thumb here is just look at whatever they're saying and just believe the opposite. Okay, the opposite. It kind of reminds me of this. <laughs> well, this wasn't a news story, but a, a tweet that the Library of Congress put out where they apologized to some uh, actress named Casey McQuiston because they had previously tweeted about her uh, signing books at the Library of Congress and they referred to her as a her because. She's a she because she's a woman. But they they referred to her as a her and they put out a tweet apologizing because she actually wants to be identified as a them. She identifies as non-binary or something. But it is actually a female human being. So, hey, it's just like the same old story. The only time that the media ever uh, prints a retraction or apologizes, in this case, the Library of Congress, the only time they're going to retract post a retraction is because they accidentally told the truth and got caught doing it. So, hey, they accidentally referred to her as a female. That was, they say, wrong. So they apologized for it. She is not a female. She's a she's a them. Liberals are so used to being wrong that they have to apologize when they accidentally say something right. Whatever they say, just look at the opposite of that, and that's probably what the reality is. Because remember, what I said, in, what I played in the video in my opening segment. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. The media is coordinated. This media thing is a coordinated thing, okay? When it comes to climate, the economy, COVID, everything, someone is pulling the strings. Someone is telling them to all say the exact same things. And those things are not the truth. It's just what they're saying. But believe me, it's coordinated and it's extremely dangerous to our democracy. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if you hear the exact same thing in all the different places, that's just fake news.